Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, how? are you feeling today? We're recording on a Monday. Are you well rested from the weekend? You know, I'm, I'm, I could probably have a few more hours of sleep in me. I tend to get a little off, off my schedule on the weekends. Do you think you sleep more or just, just at different times, times, I think so that, you know, by Sunday night, I'm not quite ready to go to bed at my Mm -hmm. normal time. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I uh, had similar problem last night and that's why on my way home from work today, I am going to pick up a sleep mask. Ooh, fancy. I decided to do it. I, just, I wake up too many times in the middle of the night, and um, I just I need a, I need a full eight hours of sleep uninterrupted. It's affecting your health. I just feel sluggish during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, Mom always told me to get my get my beauty sleep. I don't like waking up and having you know puffy eyes. And I notice if there's a week when I don't get enough sleep, my skin's not as good. I don't have as much focus. So I think that it definitely affects me. Well, Kristen, can I ask you something of a personal question? Sure. Do you find that those weeks when you don't get enough sleep, you might feel a little chubbier, might gain a pound or two? I think I eat worse than I normally would if there's a week when I'm not uh, when I'm not sleeping as much because I'm probably just eating out of stress. Well, there actually it might be a link between a bad night's sleep and weight gain. That's right. There's been a lot of research recently linking obesity and lack of sleep. And there was a study of 9,000 people between 1982 and 1984 that found that people who averaged six hours of sleep per night were 27% more likely to be overweight than people who got seven to nine hours of sleep. And that, okay, 27% more likely, that's that's pretty big. But Molly, check this out. People in the same study who were only sleeping five hours a night were 73% 
more likely to be overweight. I know. That's pretty pretty frightening because I think there are definitely a few nights where I clock in at five hours. And sometimes you try and say, oh, I only need six hours. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really more of a 10-hour sleeper. But there's really not as much um, leeway as we might think. Mm-hmm. Basically, researchers are saying that you need seven hours as a minimum, except, you know, for babies and the elderly. Right. Seven to nine hours of sleep. Yeah. And I know that it's a rare week when I when I hit that number every single night. Well, you might be hitting new numbers on the scale if you don't start hitting your sleep number. And let me tell you why. Why? Because it messes with your hormones. Of course. It all goes back to hormones. It all goes back to hormones. But in this case, these are hormones that affect both males and females. And the hormones we're talking about are called leptin and ghrelin. Mm -hmm. Leptin is the hormone that triggers our body to uh, turn off our appetites. If we're eating a big meal, um, it kicks in once our stomachs are full and, and we need to put our fork down. So when we go to sleep, it's really convenient that our leptin levels rise so that we don't wake up in the middle of the night starving. Exactly. So if you have like a late night and you end up at a place like Waffle House or IHOP, Mm -hmm. it might be because you're not asleep and you don't have enough leptin to shut that off. Exactly. So basically when you're sleep deprived, you have too little leptin. So basically your brain's never getting the message that you're full. You don't have any energy, so you just keep eating and eating and eating. Mm -hmm. Mindless snacking. Mindless snacking. And then at the same time, there's another hormone related to eating called ghrelin. And this is basically the hunger hormone. This signals your body that you need to eat more food because you don't have enough energy to fulfill your your physical needs. Right. And so when you're sleep deprived, you have too much of this. Mm-hmm. So basically, leptin and ghrelin, when they're working right, are sort of like the checks and balances system for mm-hmm. your appetite. Exactly. One's telling you that you're full and then one will kickstart and be like, oh, you know what? We need to eat soon. Right. So if you're not getting enough sleep, that means that your ghrelin levels are going to be higher, which means you're going to be abnormally hungry. And not only that, it triggers your body to store energy as fat instead of burning it. And you know, Kristen, sleep deprivation has also been found to increase levels of certain stress hormones and it might create insulin resistance in people. Right. And that could lead to weight weight gain and also type 2 diabetes. Right. Now, the reason why this is a particular problem for women is because women statistically are twice as likely to report sleep problems as men. Insomnia is the number one sleep problem that that women experience, according to the National Sleep Foundation. Um, And while 63% of women report insomnia, only 54% of men do the same thing. Right. And the same study from the National Sleep Foundation, more than half of American women say they get a good night's sleep only a few nights per week. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's half the week where you might be at risk for these higher higher levels of leptin and lower levels of ghrelin. And one thing that I found most interesting about um, these statistics dealing with, with specifically with women who have sleep problems was the number one category of women who were having trouble sleeping were stay-at-home moms. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So all of this, Kristen, leads me to ask, Okay, is sleep the new diet? Do you have to exercise? Do you have to eat right? Can you just sleep more and keep your appetite in check? I don't think that we can ever deny, Molly, that healthy diet and exercise is going to be important for being healthy. But a number of studies have also found that um, if you aren't sleeping enough at the same time, the health benefits of exercise and good proper eating are basically going to cancel each other out. Really? For instance, there was a recent study in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science that found that slim, healthy adults who um, were deprived of slow-wave sleep for only three nights 
built up the same level of insulin resistance as someone who gained 20 to 30 pounds. Whoa. So it seems pretty apparent to me that we um, need to focus a lot on how much sleep we're getting. Well, Kristen, to play devil's advocate, I have found some research that says it might be um, a little, the connection might be a little bit more tenuous than all this previous research has shown. Because you remember how you're talking how you wake up a lot in the night? Mm Mm-hmm. It turns out it's a lot about the quality of sleep you're getting. So when people started figuring out that there was a connection between sleep and obesity, they started to look at sleep problems people had. Okay. And a lot of people have sleep apnea, which is when they stop breathing while they sleep. And this can happen like hundreds of times a night, which means that if you're getting eight hours of sleep, it only feels like four because mm-hmm. you can't get into those deep levels of sleep. So you're still experiencing that slow wave sleep deprivation that, uh, that, was reflected in that study that I just talked about, probably. Exactly. But do you know what they found in terms of leptin in those people? You know how we were talking about how most people who are sleep-deprived have too little leptin. Right. And leptin is the appetite-suppressing hormone. Right. But people who have sleep apnea have really high levels of leptin, which was really contrary to what they thought they were going to find. So what does that mean? It means that leptin may be more of an individual thing than, than... then we might be thinking it can't be just, you know, a one size fits all leptin uh, solution. OK, well, um, I will back that up with <laughs> um, studies that have also exploring kind of the gender differences in sleep, looking at why women have more sleep problems than men. In addition to we've got these different levels of leptin and ghrelin hormones, but also um, scientists think that it might be related to levels of tryptophan, serotonin and melatonin um, in women and men that could be leading women to, to not have as restful sleep. Oh, Kristen, why does it always come back to hormones? Always hormones. So I think what we're dealing here with, Kristen, is a lot of interesting studies that show us that there's this connection between sleep and obesity. Mm -hmm. And it couldn't hurt to get more sleep. Right. But we also can't give up yet our gym memberships or our diet regimens. Exactly. So that leads us to, Molly, how do we get more sleep? How, when I turn my light out and put my new sleep mask on... How am I not going to wake up like eight times in the middle of the night? Do you exercise before you go to sleep? I am a night exerciser. I try to exercise in the morning and I cannot do it. Well, just make sure you finish that workout workout before about three hours before bedtime. Well, one thing that I've also been trying to do that's supposed to help with sleeping is not spending as much time in bed before I'm actually ready to go to sleep. Because I like to just lounge around, read some for like an hour or so before going to bed. And supposedly that is actually making it harder for me to go to sleep. Yeah, I hear you've got to like build this relationship with your bed where sleep is the only thing that happens in it. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that for normal people who are getting the right amount of sleep, it takes about 15 minutes to actually fall asleep. So if you're if you're hitting the pillow and you're not immediately nodding off, that's actually a good sign. Right. But if it takes you more than, say, half an hour or an hour to fall asleep, you need to get up and do something. If you keep tossing and turning in bed, it's actually going to kind of create a negative relationship with your bed and build up anxiety around falling asleep. So it's going to create a negative feedback cycle, and you're really not going to be able to have a restful night's sleep. So, Molly, what I recommend, if you are a restless sleeper, you need to get up and, and, and do some things before you fall asleep. You can just go go get out your laptop, go to your PC, and just go to HowStuffWorks.com and read, read some more articles about sleep and hunger and obesity and anything else that might 
satisfy your needs. So there's our advice from Dr. Kristen. Head on over to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.